Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 392 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm back from my boycott. You're, you're boycotting, huh? I've been boycotting the podcast because Chad would not accept his suspension that that he was supposed to take for that picture that he posted wearing a Dodgers hat. Really, dude? You're gonna you're gonna lead off with that? I'm gonna lead off with that. Some things, you know. You, I heard you tell somebody one time they were dead to you because they put pineapple on a pizza. You wore a freaking Dodgers hat. Yeah, pineapple on a pizza is an abomination against nature. When you and, buy if a Reds fan in a Dodger hat is not. Only if you're over 70 years old. No, I'm not over 70, and it's still an abomination. <laughs> yeah. If it's over 100 degrees and uh, your hair uh, happens to be thinning and you're in Dodger Stadium, you that buy a Dodger's cap. They had. They, they didn't have another hat other than a Dodger's hat. What other cat gonna, hat are they going to have at a Dodger's game? I don't know. <laughs> but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be that blue abomination, Ron Say, Dave Lopes-loving crap. <laughs> Do you know what year it is, Bill? Do you know Get the off. Reds are no longer in a division with the Dodgers? Do you know Get this off. is not the seventies? Some things never die. You keep just yelling. imagine if Joe Morgan would have went to the Dodgers instead of the Reds. You'd be yelling at the clouds about that right now. No, actually, I probably wouldn't be because I wouldn't have realized that how great Joe Morgan was going to be, and he would never have been a Red, so it wouldn't have bothered me as much. Okay, well, welcome to Red Lake Nation Radio. This is episode number 392 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you, Bill? Are we starting over? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to thank your brother for defending me last week. Did he really? I don't recall that. I must have Yes, uh, he did. And I, I am not James that out. Urban. <laughs> we, that... I am not James Urban. Yeah, there was some uh, some confusion about that point. Yes, I know there was. <clears throat> Well, and anybody that knows me would know that if I got something to say, I don't put somebody else's name to it. <laughs> that's a fact. It's a true story. Let's talk about these Cincinnati Reds, since that's kind of we why we're here. Yeah, this is another one of those weeks where, uh, you know, um, uh, last week I wrote a my, my column at Cincinnati Magazine was to enjoy the moment. The Reds aren't in the playoff hump often, you know, so try to try to enjoy the fact that they are actually in a race. Yes, they're flawed. Yes, they have problems with this team, but they're in the race. That's still true as we record this today. On the other hand, the Reds have now lost 10 of their last 15 games. Yes, they have. They have dropped five consecutive series. To bad teams. Four of those five were below 500 teams. They are in second place still in the division, but they're 12 games back. But they surrendered the lead in the wild card for the second wild card spot. They are now just a game behind San Diego, so still completely in the mix. But it has been a fairly disastrous portion of the schedule where they really, really needed to. Um, well, you know, we, we talked about the, the schedule and how the schedule matched, matched up nicely for them down the stretch, and it's true. But the other thing we also said was they still have to take care of business, and they're just not taking care of business, are they? No, you got you got you got to play the games. I mean, I mean, you got to play the games. But it, it, I don't know how to express it either. I've been telling people it looked to me like they took their foot off the gas. But the other question is, did they have they run out of gas? 
You know, in the last, the Enquirer published something today. I don't know if you saw this or not. In the in the last fifteen games, in which they've gone five and ten, they've hit two twenty seven with a two ninety one on base percentage, and they're striking out almost twenty five percent of the time. They've averaged two point two runs per game in those ten losses. That ain't gonna get it done. Now, the other thing that hasn't helped is their bullpens had a 5.24 ERA, ERA in those games, highest in the National League. And the, basically, the only effective relievers have been Sims, Santion, and Sessa. It's all true. The, the rotation has still been good. I mean, 3.54 ERA over the last 15 days, for, you know, 15 games for the rotation, that's nothing to complain about. Now, if you're, if you're Castillo and your last three starts, you've gotten one run and each game scored for you, that's something to complain about. I'd be I'd be throwing bean balls in batting practice if I was Castillo. Yeah, the 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 offense kind of hit the skids at exactly the wrong moment, and there are reasons for that. Uh, Jesse Winker's out. Jesse Winker's, you know, uh, supposedly as of last Friday, we were told that this week he might go on a rehab assignment. He has not as of yet, so don't know when Jesse Winker's going to return. I, I I looked up some numbers. He went on he went on a DL on eight on the sixteenth of August. At that point, the Reds were averaging, had, up to that point in the season, they'd averaged 5.12 runs per game. Since then, they've averaged 3.76 runs per game. Now, they, they went from 10 games over 500 to 7 over 500. And they went from a game and a half back behind San Diego to a half a game back. So, you know, and, and, and we can say it's it's Winker or whatever, but in, that, in the last 30 days, Naquin's kind of picked up the slack. I mean, he's number two in OPS in the major league in major league baseball in the last thirty days. True, true. So what's the problem? So it's not all just missing Jesse Winker. Now, Aquino's been terrible. Uh, Farmer's been fairly terrible, and our third baseman have been terrible all year. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. When when you have guys that aren't really, you know, doing what Winker and Castellano, Castellanos, for example, were doing most of the season, or what Votto was doing for a long time, if you don't have those guys. That hole on the left side of the infield just it becomes magnified. Kyle Farmer, you know, turned back into a pumpkin, as we all knew he would. Um, and the Reds just have zero production out of third base. And you just uh, they're they're punting any offensive production out of two those two positions now, and you just can't do that if you know. So other guys aren't really truly picking up the slack. Yes, Naquin has uh, has certainly been been better, but Cassianos and Votto have not been what they were early in the year. Not that they're awful. Um, it, it, at some point, you know, I, I like Moustakas and I like Suarez. We keep saying this, but why can't the Reds just put the best players on the field? And in any time you put Suarez, for example, in the lineup, the fact of the matter is this is not the best lineup you can field. And so... We're all desperate for the Reds to make the playoffs. And again, David Bell and company don't act like they have a whole lot of urgency to me. You know, um, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather make uh, Mustakas and, and Suarez feel good than put a strong lineup on the field. Or I, I don't want to hurt Kyle Farmer's feelings. By moving. Is, and, and in the last 28 days, his OPS is 604. Who are we talking about? Farmer? Our Farmer. Yeah. I mean, look, before. Uh, up through June thirtieth, he was at two thirteen average, two eighty two on base, three ten on base or three ten slugging. Since August first, two thirty three, two fifty seven, three fifty seven. Right, he, it's, his OPS plus is eighty. That's twenty percent below uh, league average. Cal Farmer's not good. 
He was amazing. He was Barry Larkin for a month. Guys, he's not good. He's just not good. There's there's no excuse to have him in the lineup. Not Again, offensively. Not offensively. Agree. Agree. Certainly. Uh, defensively, he has proven to me he's capable. Um, but we just all year long we've punted on third base. Even if you think Kyle Farmer is decent, even while, while he was hot, why don't you move him to third and get Jose Barrero in the lineup just for the chance that you're going to get some production? We are not going to get any production from Suarez this year. I am do not believe that we'll get anything from Mustakas either. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I hope not. But I think he's still hurt. Um, and so, so anyway, the fact that we have no offense on the left side of the infield, it's it's, it's really magnified right now because you don't have uh, one of these guys playing like an MVP. And you know, the kind of amazing thing is, though, that they're in a playoff spot with a black hole offensively on the whole left side of the infield. And, 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 and that Suarez has been as awful as he's been. And if you'd have said that on April the 1st, you know, can, can the Reds be in, a, in the hunt with Suarez with an OPS plus of 63? I don't know anybody that would have said yes. Well, thanks to the starting pitching. And thanks to some really outstanding performances by other guys on on, on the offensive side of the ball. <clears throat> but again, we're talking about the Reds are in a playoff spot or in the mix for a playoff spot. We are talking about the fact that the Reds are a game out of the second wild card spot. It's not like we're really challenging for the pennant here just yet. So, I I don't know. It's been a frustrating time to be the Reds. They've played now, what's see, 141 games. We have 21 games to go. Or tw- yeah, 21 games to go, I think. Um I don't know. They're out, they're out of time to continue this roller coaster, uh, you know, up and you down sure? scuffling. They've got to come back now or never. You, you sure can't like the trend. You can't. And, and, and there's and there's decisions being made that make absolutely no sense to me. Uh, last night, Brad Brock was was Lucas Sims in the bathroom. Hey, don't ask me. There's no explanation that I can come up with for why Brad. Well, I don't know why they like Brad Brock. Why does David Bell even like Brad Brock? I I don't understand why you would put him in, in a well. We're carrying what 100, 100 relief pitchers. <laughs> yeah, there's an eighty nine. I I forget the exact count, but but there's really only been three of them that have been effective of late, and and that's you know four if you want to throw Lorenzen in, and he's had rough the last couple times out. But I'm not ready to give up on on Lorenzen. But you know Santion has been as good as he could be since since he came back up. Lucas Sims has been pretty good. You know, you can't run you can't run Garrett back out there in, in a in a close game. Santion's been good. Lorenzen's been good at times. Sessa's been very good. I, Brad Brock Brad has Brock. pitched in thirty five games. He in, was ten, in, in the tenth inning last night with the, the score tied, and his ERA six point three zero. You know, and, and you know Sims is Sims' ERA is four point nine three. Is, which is higher than a guy they released, but you know, at least I've got at least a little bit of confidence if they bring in Sims. I have no confidence they bring in Brock. Why would you? You know, what's he done to to earn the role that he's had in this bullpen? I don't get it. But I do. I do have some good news for you. You ready? Art, yes. Art Warren is really looking good on his on his, on his rehab assignment. I heard you guys making fun of Art Warren last week, and he's not terrible. Art Warren's terrible. He's terrible. He's pitched well, it, when the, the games he's pitched for the Reds this year. He has been pretty good. 
Oh, sure, for fourteen innings, okay. I'll I'll give you, I'll grant yeah. you that. What's he ever done to show that he's uh, you know he he, he pitched a few games I think with Would Seattle. Would you rather have him or Brad Brock? What's that? Would you rather have him or Brad Brock? Uh, roll the dice. Or Warren's ERA and Louisville over Brad Brock. I take I take Warren over Hoffman. Or Warren's ERA in Louisville Triple A this year was six point two three. They both stink. Anyway. I would probably take Warren over Brock just because at least there's a chance Warren could be something because he's a little younger. Brock is 35. He ain't getting any better. And we've, and we've got a question. Do, do we want to address the bullpen right now while we're while we're beating on him? Because um, there's a, a viewer mail question that raises a very interesting point from James Urban. That's what I was going to ask. So let's go ahead and do it. These are, this will be our first uh, viewer mail question. This one comes from James Urban. First of all, James has two questions. The first is, I keep getting this question, and the answer is the same every time. If somehow the Reds do make the postseason and win the wildcard game, will you break your Great American Ballpark ban for a postseason game, Chad? No, no, I'm not I'm not going to Great American Ballpark this year, and I may never go again there, while Castellini's Let's say this right now. You will not answer that question again. Uh, no, then we can just save some time. I will, uh, because you know I like talking about about me. But um, the first question was: uh, Dory Moreda in AAA has a zero point zero zero ERA through twenty relief appearances. Why is he not on the team right now? It's a good question. He's twenty. He's a twenty. He struck out eighteen. He struck out eighteen and walked four and twenty two and two thirds. He's allowed eleven hits and two unearned runs. Combined with his time in Double A, he's five and zero with six saves and a .73 ERA in thirty eight outings. Do you want to say why he's not on the team, or you want me to? Well, well you go ahead. He's, he's not on the forty man. I presume is what you're going to say. That's exactly why he's not on this. No, for- you know we can't afford to lose any of these guys. We couldn't cut. We couldn't release somebody. Uh, can you imagine? We couldn't tr- release. Can you- Ash Dabula, Cabrera, or or coach's boy uh, Delano DeShields Jr. Well, you, but you know, you're also suggesting potentially. Are, it's ridiculous to present a scenario where the Reds might expose Brad Brock to waivers in order to create room on the 40 man roster. You're just being silly. If Can't. you want to keep Brad Brock, release Cabrera. Are you kidding? I mean, he's he's done so much for us since he's been here. He's probably the best third baseman the Reds have. Twenty-five-year-old Dory Moreta. Um, Right-handed reliever, 25 years old, just, a, you know, <laughs> .76 ERA across uh, levels. Across levels. Well, you're right, right. You know. He didn't even get invited to the ketchup factory. Yeah, isn't that crazy? But did well in uh, high Daytona uh, in 2019, 2.35 ERA. So, you know, I mean, this guy's <laughs> he's impressive. Um, allowed just 13 line drives all season in 47.1 innings. I see at redlegnation.com. Yeah, what, what's the reason he's not here now? Because because we got to keep Brad Brock and 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 Amir Garrett and whatever bad pitcher you want to talk about. Because we because we don't want to bring him and Hunter Green up and maybe have guys that are young that might make a difference. Yeah, once again, think other things are more important to the Reds than having their best roster. I mean, this is the, this is the life of a Reds fan for the last 10 years or more, really. But 
just we always need to just assume the Reds are not going to make an effort to have their best roster available to them because they have other things uh, or more or more important to ownership and management than winning baseball which games. They never, which they never disclose to those of us that pay to get in the ballpark. Why would they? And plus, uh, well, you know, and and, and Mr. Moreda, he, he he has not become the best AAA pitcher that he can be yet. That's right. He needs a little more seasoning. He needs to marinate a little down on the farm. He needs to get that ERA down to negative numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, um, I, I said last week, and I meant it, uh, I'm going to try to ignore, and here I'm already uh, violating it, but I'm going to try to ignore just the, the, the stupidity surrounding the Reds, the, just the nonsense relating to the front office, because I want to try to enjoy this race. And the Reds are making it difficult, but they're still in the race, and I, I genuinely want to try. But I'm just dumbfounded every other day by some decision uh, that either management makes or that David Bell makes. I, it's just this team is just befuddling and I don't know, but they got 21 games left and it's not like the Padres are playing better than they were, uh, but it's not like they're you know, world beaters. The Reds have every chance to win this, uh, this wild card spot. So uh, I just need them to win. I need them to win this weekend. First of all, okay. Three games against the Cardinals. Need to win two of them. We have Molly, we have Castillo and we have Gray going to those three games. Win two out of three. And then you got Pittsburgh. You do have three at home against the Dodgers, but then Pittsburgh again, the Nationals, the White Sox, and Pittsburgh. One, two, three, four, five, six, nine of those 21 games are against the Pirates. So for all that we've said the schedule looks good down the stretch and all that we've complained that they've not taken care of business, it's still right there, isn't it? It's still there for the taking. Yeah, it is, but I mean, but it's tougher than it was two weeks ago or 10 days ago, two weeks ago, because you don't have all those easy games that you that you thought you were going to win two out of three of, and now you got the Dodgers and the White Sox in his in his final stretch, and those aren't going to be easy games to win. So so, you know they've given away series that they that they needed to win, where they might have been able to put a little bit of distance between themselves and the opposition, and now they're going to go into these series against tough teams and have to win. But, but they will, right? Not if they bring in Brad Brock when the score's tied. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm struggling on the uh, you know uh, on the on the, which side of the fence to fall because I'm still want to be optimistic. I still want to um, I want to enjoy it. The Reds are in a playoff race. They are in a playoff race. But wow. how can you enjoy it when you watch them? Excuse the, my language, but pissing away their opportunities. Well, they're a flawed team. We knew that from the beginning. But the fact that they actually have opportunities is new. It's a, it's a different situation. How many times have the Reds actually been in a playoff race in the middle of September? It's been a while. It's been a while. And so, so something about this, and I hate I hate the fact that there's this, you know, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to how to um, define this kind of feeling that, uh, that, I, that I feel that I'm fighting off. You know, it's very similar to 2013 when the Reds should have been better than they were. They, you know, vomited all over themselves, lost the last five games of the season, and ended up in that wild card game against the Pirates. That whole season, it was a decent team, 90 plus win team, but it was a team that I just never once felt like this team is has a chance. Now, this year's team. Way more fun uh, in terms of the the personnel on this team. 
I really like about 19 or 20 of the players on this team as players. But they, because they have such a flawed roster and such an incomplete roster, I'm just having a, a hard time getting really enthusiastic about this team. At their best, they can do whatever. You get in, get in the tournament, get to, you got to get in the tournament to win the tournament. That's what I always say. They could do some damage once they get in the playoffs, if they get in the playoffs. But on the other hand, maybe it's a, maybe it's a hangover from last year where they were just a miserable team to watch except for the 10 days they got in the playoffs and then they were miserable again in the playoffs. Maybe it's a little hangover from that. I don't know, but I want to be excited. Am I making any sense? Yeah, I know. The frustration, to me, it's just the frustration level is because you see them doing things that there are obvious different things they could do that at least to us seem no brainers. The changes in the bullpen, not bringing in Brad Brock when you got Lucas Sims in a tight ball game that you got to win. Um, you know, this team also remind you know, we were talking about, what was it, 2006? Is that what you said? I forget the year. Um, 2013 is the one I was talking about just now, but 2006 is another one. The 99 team kind of reminds me the same way. They had to win a series in Milwaukee at the end of the season. Didn't do it. They have to play the Mets. We're done. Yeah. And, you know, I'm watching Cabrera get played appearances. I'm watching the Shields get played appearances. And there's got to be somebody better at Louisville than these guys. I mean, the Shields has been a Triple A player all year. He is what he is. He's terrible. He's a pretty good defensive center fielder. Can't hit a lick. You can't. Yeah. Well, he's got eleven at bats for this team, and you know, in a week or so, he's been here. Same with Cabrera. You know, everybody said, "Oh, he's, he can hit left-handers." No, he can't. Not this year. He hasn't. You know, his his, his OPS plus against right-handers is six eighty-eight. Against left-handers, it's seven oh eight. He was pretty good in April and May, and he's been horrible since then. I, I don't know what the Reds see in these guys. And he comes in. He started two games since he's been here. Well, he's starting over Mustakas and Suarez, so I can't hardly complain. But uh, but you're not wrong. And you got a guy like uh, Jose Barrera, elite prospect, or at least one of the Reds' uh, best prospects, um, sitting down there, crushed the ball in, at two different levels. Do we know that Jose Barrero uh, is going to be better than what the Reds have had at third base or shortstop? No, we don't know. He came up last year, and he was awful in his first uh, taste of the big leagues, Barrero was. Um, but the fact of the matter is, something's got to give. And if you if you're counting on a guy like Asdrubal Cabrera to you know recapture uh, the glories of his youth somehow, you're deluding yourself. That's that's the hope is not a strategy. That's what I'm talking about. They're hoping those guys. I'd rather hope on Barrero because at least there's some chance he's going to be better. And if he if he fails, well, what are you losing? If he falls flat on his face again, what are you losing? Yeah, he's well, not going to be any worse than than. Mustakas and, and Suarez have been. I, I think that the probabilities are that he that he won't. I think the vast probabilities are that he won't be worse than that. And so, what are why are we? You know, Moreta. Why are we not at least not trying the guys like that instead of Brock? You or, know why? I can tell you why, and you, and you know this because they're afraid that they'll fail, and if they fail because they didn't do the conventional thing, they didn't go with a veteran. Then they'll get, then they'll get, you know, get bad, you know, they'll get called on the carpet. They'll get, you know, all the bad publicity and all this. It's better to blow, it's better to blow a playoff chance using veterans than it is to take a chance on using a rookie. 
you're not going to get as much heat. Well, I think you're right. I think traditionally that's been the case. I just wonder in the in the current media climate, who's going to criticize them? Nobody around here. You and I. I mean, you know. I mean, uh, the po- you know, the, 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 us podcast people, you know, us right. nerds in our in our parents' basement. Yeah, you know, I, I saw well, something I saw. I've seen a little bit here recently. Again, I don't want to extrapolate too much from the fact that the Reds are they're playing bad now. They lost ten out of fifteen. So I, you know, I don't want to draw too many grand conclusions over fifteen games. But a, a few times in that Brad Brock moment uh, last night was one of those. I got distinct Dusty Baker vibes, and what I mean by that is Dusty Baker had lots of uh, favorites. T- well, yeah, but lots of he had lots of talents. As a manager, there were things he did well, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that he never, ever did, he could not figure out that sometimes you got to manage certain games differently than if it were a, you know, Saturday afternoon game in the middle of May. Sometimes more games are important. I know that the win in April is the same as a win in September. It's true. But in September, you got fewer games to win, and you know where you got to go. These games are more important right now, and so the pressure ramps up the longer you go along in the season. You, right, you cannot manage a game with a team one game out of the playoffs. You cannot manage it the same way you'd manage earlier in the year. You know, you, well, does that mean you make Sessa uh, and Givens go two innings if they're able to? Um, either, both those guys just faced three hitters. Sessa pit through seven pitches. In the eighth inning, yeah, I mean, but it's it's not the book. You can't go against the book. Yeah, well, I don't know what that book is that says Brad Brock is your option, but but putting a veteran out there, that's the that's you're right. That's a way not to get criticized. Yeah, and and that's where I, I I suffer, you know. And I've and I've t- we've talked about I've talked about uh, Barrera with with some with some friends, some fairly knowledgeable baseball people that are big Reds fans. They said, well, he didn't hit when he was up here. I said, well, he got, I think, two hits or three hits in his first two games. And then he got one at bat a day for like a few of the next week. And then they sent him down. It's yeah. not like it's not like he was given a, you know, they didn't throw him out there for a week or, you know, he didn't get a, he didn't get as many, he, you know, he didn't get as many starts as Cabrera's gotten. Yeah, what should have happened was, you ease him in at second base or third base, and then eventually a shortstop, and then Kyle Farmer goes back to being your, you know, uber utility guy, and your offense is better. Your team is almost certainly better. I, I don't want to say that it's a guarantee. Uh, we're, we can't act like it's a guarantee that Barrera was going to be great because he did fall flat on his face last year. But you just you you can't convince me that at least that there's not a significant chance he'll be at least as good as what we're already getting um, with this uh, you know significant upside. How much upside do we have with these other guys? Well, the other thing is, if you're going to have him down there and playing really, really well, what's the upside to him if he doesn't get to come up here and play? But we have Kyle Farmer. Yeah. Bill, 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 we have Kyle Farmer. I know. He was he was really hot for a while. Yeah. He He's good. My frustration is my frustration level with this team showing <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. You know, I was out of town over the Labor Day weekend, and, and uh, well, following the Reds games, but I was in the middle of other things. We were going to uh, we went to some, uh, some concerts, and uh, boy, I can I can always tell when I get that text from you. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> that frustration's boiling over. 
You, you've seen a few of those in the last couple of weeks for good reason, right? I, I will admit last night, though, when the Reds didn't score in the top of the 10th and I saw they were bringing in Brock, I turned the TV off and went to bed. I said, they're going to lose this thing in the bottom of the 10th. Got up this morning, looked at my phone. Yep. <laughs> Most predictable thing ever. Yep. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but a lot of people on the, on the Twitters tweeted that same thing at me. As soon as I saw him coming in, we turned it off. It, <laughs> And maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but it probably should have. So anyway, so we beat on this long enough. Yeah, we did have a milestone this week, though. Did we, Mister Votto? I've heard of him. Did he do something special this week? Tied Frank Robinson for number two on the Reds' all-time home run list. You know that's not bad. Who would have ever thought five years ago that Joey Votto would end up? Number two on the Reds' home run list. Maybe number one before it's over. You think he hit that sixty-five between now and the end of his time with the Reds? He could do it. He could. Well, I, at this point, there isn't anything <laughs> right that you're going to say Joey can't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet the ranch on it. I, I looked at. I, I'm looking at the Reds' career leaders, top ten. Let me just run through this real quick. Sure. Career war. Joey's number five. On base percentage, Joey's number one, and he, but he probably won't finish there. He's only one point above Morgan, so he'll probably drop back. He'll probably end up being number two. He's number three in slugging. Number two in OPS. Number four in runs scored. Number six in hits. Number four in total bases. Number three in doubles. Number, like I said, tied for second in home runs, four in RBIs, number one in bases on balls. He's also number one in strikeouts. I never would have guessed that. I wouldn't have either. Yeah, that's surprising. Number 10 in singles, number two in runs created, number three in OPS plus, three in extra base hits, number two in times on base. I mean... Is there any doubt that Joey Votto is the is the best offensive player in the history of this franchise? Well, counterpoint, Kyle Farmer. <laughs> See, you're just trying to aggravate me at this point. <laughs> yeah. You're the one that used to get aggravated every time somebody bring up Kyle Farmer. I know, right. Um, but congratulations, you know, and we, Joey seems to get a tip of the hat every week on here. Yeah, I know. It's easy to do. <laughs> but... Uh, but that's do, you impre- think, do you think he'll get bent, he'll catch bench in home runs? Uh, I would not. I would not wager actual U.S. legal tender on that. No, no, I wouldn't either. But I think there's a chance. Yeah. But heck, he's going to pass it. Frank Robinson. Yeah. Inner Circle <laughs> Hall of Famer. Frank Robinson. If you don't know Frank Robinson, you better go do some research. If you don't know who Frank Robinson is, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. No, you need to be listening to this podcast. You're going to learn something. Um. <laughs> All right, we have a number of viewer mail questions I want to get into that uh, deal with some of the topics that we're going to discuss. But before we before we do that, there was a there was a topic. I, you know, we have a little conversation before we go on. Talk about you know what else uh, do we want to talk about other than these you know news items and and you had something you wanted to discuss and uh, it ca- kind of caught me off guard. And so I'm interested to hear exactly what you want to say about uh, Hall of Fame catcher Ted I, Simmons. I, I, this is what I want to talk to you about. Uh, Veterans Committee appointee Ted Simmons 
on top of the fact that he played for the Cardinals. He's not my least favorite Cardinals catcher. No, and we'll talk about that in a minute, too. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer to you? He was, you know, when he played again. This, you know, I did, I only got to see him really at the end of his career. See, I, and I and I saw him most of his career. He was a. I think he was close. I don't think this is that egregious. Uh, it's not. Uh, yeah. Eight-time All Star. Eight-time All Star won a Silver Slugger, but he only had two top ten MVPs. His, his, you know. He's 11th in Jaws, just above Herman or Thurman Munson. I, you know, the Hall of Fame standard thing, he's, he's below. Now, the monitor number, he's above. He's, he's way below on what they call that, the gray ink. Yeah. I, I just struggle. I, I, I guess it's one of those things I watched him play, and I never thought of him as a great player. I thought he was a good player, and, and this will be sacrilege for a lot of people, but He's. I think of him the same way I think about David Concepcion. I can see that. A really, a really, really good player, but to me, not a Hall of Fame guy. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of always thought of him as a Hall of Very Good guy, which is what yeah. I would say for uh, Concepcion and, and you know Beta Pinson and some guys. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at Jaws. You talk mentioned Jaws, and for those who don't know yeah. what Jaws is, it's the uh, Jay Jaffe, the baseball analyst, uh, designed a, uh, a system to measure a player's hall of fame worthiness and you you just kind of skipped over it a second ago you said he's 11th ranked 11th in jaws which means that by this metric he's the 11th most deserving catcher in the history of baseball that's that sounds like a hall of famer to me well yeah but that number is going to keep going down if you keep electing guys is gene tennis is gene tennis a hall of famer He's 13. You tell me. Did you ever see him play? I saw him play in 72. <laughs> he got death. That's serious and terrible. He got death threats in the 72 World Series in Cincinnati. You know, Buster Posey's 14. Okay, so so what are you saying? I mean, that there should be fewer catchers in the Hall of Fame than are already no, in there? I just, I, I just, he doesn't pass my eyeball test when I watched him play. I just. You know, I, who, who's do you know who Roger Bresnahan is? Mm-hmm, sure. Do you? I don't. He's a Hall of Fame catcher too. Um, he's twenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, Roy Campanella is seventeen, but Roy Campanella spent a lot of time in in, in the Negro Leagues before well, he went to the Dodgers. And he also had that car accident at the end of his career. That ended his career. Yeah, early. Right. I, yeah. I, th- I guess. I know what you're saying because I used to be obsessed with the Hall of Fame in some ways, and you kind of just have—I don't know—that is a way that you should, if you're actually voting, that you should base your vote on. I think a lot of people did over the years. He just didn't seem like a Hall of Famer when he was playing, and I think Ted Ted Simmons fits that. Yeah, I don't know that any ever anyone ever really thought about him as a as a Hall of Famer, but you look at the numbers, and the fact of the matter is, he has a way better case to be in the Hall of Fame than that other Cardinals catcher that everyone says is a first ballot guarantee. Yeah, second in the Jaws ranking. Yeah. Just just above Daryl Porter and just below Jason Kendall. Nineteen eighty three World Series MVP Daryl Porter to you, pal. Um oh the dumb stuff that's stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah, right, you know. Um Of course, you know, I, I say that about Simmons and you know who the number twenty ninth 
Catcher is on the Jaws list. I don't John, know if you're looking. Johnny Bench. No. Ernie Lombardi, a Hall of Famer. Ernie Lombardi, yeah. Cincinnati Red, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's Johnny Bench on the uh, three, Jaws list? There are three Reds catchers in the Hall of Fame. Bench, and, Ernie Lombardi, and Buck Hewing. Oh, yeah, Buck Hewing. Uh, there's going to be a fourth. Tyler Stevenson, baby. I hope you're right. Yeah, really. But anyway, I, I just, I'm not, and I'm not banging on Ted Simmons. I, 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 he, he's not, you know, an awful, he's not Phil Rizzuto. Yeah, he's probably in the bottom half of, you know, Hall of Fame catchers. Well, he's he's below the the average of the sixteen catcher Hall of Fame catchers at the position for WAR, WAR seven, and Jaws. Well, you're he's up. Below Okay, yes. you you realize though that half the play, Hall of Fame catchers are below average for Hall of Fame catchers, half are above average and half are below average. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're not all favor, but I see what you're saying. I just anyway, I, and like I said, I, I'm not banging on Ted Simmons. I it just that it, it just it didn't pass the, the the eye test to me. All right, well let's answer some viewer mail questions. But but Tim Rain, it took Tim Raines forever to get in, and I thought he was a Hall of Famer long before he got in. Agreed. So. Agreed. Any okay. other any other Hall of Fame? Uh, anything you want to anything talk? else I want to complain about? Let's, talk about, let's talk about Derek Jeter. No. Um, no all right. So these questions come from our friends and, and supporters at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Thank you. If, yeah, I appreciate you. If you want to go and support the podcast, that's where you go. Um, these are, of course, as usual, actual letters from actual viewers. Our first comes from Jace Linfert. I'm interested to hear your uh, response to this question, Bill. This is the first time I've ever been interested to hear you answer any question. If the Reds lose this wild card spot, shut your mouth, Jace, and don't make the playoffs because they can't take advantage of the schedule, would that cost David Bell his job? And should it? What do you think, Bill? Will it cost him his job if they do? I don't think so. And I don't think it probably should either because as, as frustrating as I get with him sometimes when, you know, when he, what do you say all the time? He's like a, he manages like a bad uh, select team. Yeah. Uh, where everybody has to play. And, and, and when he brings in Brad Brock, the, 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 the problems that this team has, if you put them from one to a hundred, David Bell isn't in the top 20. It's true. Maybe not the top 30. And I, and I'm not saying that as a big David Bell fan, even though I think he's been better this year than he was last year. He's a mediocre manager. He has been better, I agree. Um, he is not uh, spurring his team to take advantage of uh, you know optimal conditions down the stretch, but how much of that do you blame on David Bell? Some, I think, because he's still playing garbage players and putting in garbage pitchers. But on the other hand, you know, he has a flawed team and the players aren't performing. Right. But he he doesn't make the decisions that seem at least to us, and and we all and we say this all the time, and, and this applies even now. There may be circumstances that we are not aware of. There might have been a reason that Lucas Sims couldn't pitch last night. Exactly. Can you imagine what it was. Right. He should have told us if there was something. But if there was a reason, yeah, and and, and you know, and, and if somebody should have asked him after the game, why did you go with Brock instead of Sims? And I don't know if anybody did. I I I, I can't sit through those. 
press conferences. I know. Um, well, one thing that I will say, not really to defend Bell, but because he makes very, very curious decisions that I just do not understand. But I don't think he makes as many of those as Dusty Baker used to. Because Baker used to, you know, make me smack my palm in my forehead three times a game. Bell does it, you know, three times a week, maybe. But I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he'll lose his job because of that. Uh, but there's something strange going on that they have not. His contract's up at the end of the year. They have not signed him to an extension. Um. So and I don't know what that's about. Whether they're having second thoughts about him. Well, or whether he's having second thoughts about the Reds. Maybe he thinks there's an opportunity to manage somewhere else. Take the Reds to the playoffs. You're then you're 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 two years in a row. Yeah, you're you're a little more attractive to other teams, and maybe he could go to a non-dysfunctional organization with ownership that cared. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he he wanted to take the whole team, you know, the whole uh, his whole staff with him and, and go to greener pastures if that were available. And it could be if they make the playoffs again. I, I could absolutely see him getting a job with a, with an organization that's not dysfunctional. So there's something going on with the fact that he hasn't signed a contract yet that we don't know. And again, I don't think anybody's asking that question for some reason, but. And, and, and how are you on the, how are you on the Barry Larkin as Reds manager question? Well, the only benefit to, to having Larkin as manager is that he wouldn't be in the broadcast booth anymore. <laughs> But I have, you, I've heard nothing that he's ever said that makes me think he would be a good manager. But what's your feeling? About whether he will be? Yes. Uh, um, Sorry, you know, close the window. My next door neighbor just started up their compressor. I don't really have a feeling about uh, or any, any sense of whether he's an actual candidate. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Maybe that's the reason why they haven't re-signed him is because Larkin's having his apprentice year in the booth and they're – He's going to be on the field next year. It's possible, knowing the way the Reds are run. I mean, you didn't know. didn't, uh, didn't uh, Aaron Boone come out of the booth to manage the Yankees? Yeah, yeah. So it's not unheard of. You know, the Reds would go, "Oh, the Yankees did it, so it's a good idea." I think it's more like uh, Bob Castellini on a, on a lucid day or Phil Castellini on a regular day are thinking, "Oh, this is just like putting up a statue." Or having a bobblehead, we get that Barry Larkin on our field every day. Well, and the other thing is, you know, on the Bell side, he will not have strong support from the fan base either way. Right. There won't be anybody picketing to keep him or picketing to get rid of him. I don't feel. Yeah, so that, they'll be kind of free to do whatever they want. That's a great point, you know, and it, and it comes back to the doing things by the book, actually. Free to do what they want. I think the they would get from from the average fan, they would get real kudos for Larkin for because a lot of people don't like Bell for better or for worse, and then yep. and then bringing Barry Larkin back. I, I no, I, I mean I, I see that being a they get a, a big, PR win. Big public, yeah, they get a huge publicity bump if they brought Larkin in. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Do you have any faith that Larkin would be better as a manager than David Bell? No. Listen to him announce and what he he seems to emphasize. If you're a if you're an analytics or a or a or a, a modern baseball fan, it should scare the crap out of you. Yeah, uh, David Bell has has flaws as a manager, but he's open to analytics. He does use analytics. He, he you know he, he studies the reports. He um, David Bell is 
the kind of the manager I've been dreaming about for years. He just does some really dumb things that uh, cause him to fall down in my estimation. And I'm not sure that he's really good at the job, to be honest with you. I'm not sure he's really good at the, the, the part of the job that's, that we don't see on the field uh, in the well, clubhouse. You hear the players talk well about him, but you always hear the players talk well about a manager while he's there. Yeah, but well, right. Unless you Vern Rapp. They, they've been, they did not talk well about Vern Rapp even when he was the manager. Well, they, uh, yeah, but I, and, and, you know, he does on the field, he, he sticks up for him and he gets tossed and whatever, you know. But, uh, on the other hand, it's something that I've said how many times for a, until this year, this is the first time in his career that the, the Reds have ever outperformed expectations in any way. Mm hmm. You know, his teams have always underperformed what expectations were. And that's kind of a weird way to gauge things because what are expectations? Just what people think is going to happen. But the fact of the matter is he's always underperformed his teams have, which makes me wonder whether he's really he's good at the part of the, the job that goes into the but, – but how good he is at his job I don't think has any uh, bearing on this question of whether he's going to be around next year. I think he should be around next year. I think I think the Reds should bring uh, – if it means keeping Derek Johnson and all these other guys in, in the fold – I think you bring him back. I don't have any problem with bringing David Bell back because we've had much, much, much worse. Be careful what you wish for. He, David Bell's one of the best managers of my lifetime in Cincinnati. He's not the best, but he's in the top half. So be careful what you wish for. That's all I'm saying. How many man? I mean, you top half. Hmm. How many managers have been in your lifetime? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm only when 22 you, years when old. Were you born? When were you born? I'm not telling you that. Gosh, that's a personal question. They're probably actually the red. You know, here I'll I'll tell you exactly how many. Sparky was the manager. Okay. When I was born, so Sparky was good. McNamara was good. Then you had Russ Nixon, who was he was he wasn't terrible, but they did nothing to help him make the team better. Vern Rapp was terrible. Say what you want to say about Pete. They were they were in contention every year. Yeah, I think he's above average. And then you had Lou. Then you had you know, Perez. Doesn't even count. He wasn't here long enough to even count. Davey Johnson was an outstanding manager. Ray Knight was terrible. McKeon was a good manager. Boone was terrible. Miley was terrible. Naren was terrible. And then you had Baker, who was good. Brian Price was not good, but he had, he had terrible teams. Yeah, he had terrible teams, and he did less with those terrible teams than anyone else would have. Yikes. Yeah, so, I, th- I think Bell maybe maybe looks better to me because Brian Price, Jim Riggleman, Dusty Baker, you know, was very frustrating. But overall, you got to say he was okay. But then Jerry Naren, Dave Miley, Brett Boone, Ray Knight, those are some of the worst managers in the history of the world. People don't realize how bad Ray Knight was, and Bob Boone was worse. And Jerry Naren was worse than either of them. And I think Bob Boone was probably the worst. So, yeah, I mean, I think Dave Bell's Miley. okay. Dave Miley was pretty bad also. He was. He was horrible. Which is weird because he had been really, really successful managing in the minor leagues. Yeah, he was a minor league manager. Next question comes from Joe Farsing. Joe asks, he didn't really ask, it's just a statement. Yay, football season starts tonight and this weekend. That's all I have for you fellas tonight. Is Joe uh, dis- expressing a little bit of frustration with the current state of the Red Legs? I, th- I think Joe and I are on the same team on this one. Go Bengals, I guess. Who the Bengals play this week? Not tonight. What's that? Not tonight. I know, but he said tonight and this weekend. 
Um, who are they playing in their first game? Bengals? Yes. Minnesota. Bengals are start. They're opening the season at home for like the first time in, I don't know, six years, seven years, something like that. When's the last time the Reds opened at home? You're just being silly now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, go Bengals um, and, and take the Reds with you. Um, yeah, good football season, I whatever. That. Are you one of those Bengals guys? I don't know. How did I say it? Bengals. B-E-N. Bengals. That's not how it's spelled. It's B-I-N-G-L-E-S. Maybe, maybe not in Virginia. Exactly. I'm going to a, a University of Virginia intercollegiate football game, American football game this weekend. What do you think about that? Good for you. Are they any good? Are they going to be any good? No. It's Virginia football. Come on. They're never any good? Uh, well, they're sometimes better okay. than others. They went to the Orange Bowl a couple years ago, but they weren't oh, that good. Did Will- they win? Oh, no, of course not. Okay. Uh, Will Alderman asks, will Joey Votto finish 2021 with 100 RBIs? Will Joey Votto finish 2021 with 100 RBIs? Well, the answer to that really is he has 1,052 RBIs already. That is true. So, currently Joey Votto has 86 RBIs, needs 14 to go with 21 games. What do you think, Bill? Is he going to get it? You never want to bet against Joey, but if you made me bet, I would bet on him not getting it. The uh, offenses, they aren't scoring runs. they they got to play three games against the Dodgers, three games against the White Sox. It's going to be tough. I think I would. I think I'd probably bet against that one as well. But yeah, we agreed on a couple of things tonight. Yeah, I know it's really weird. But man, it would be great if he did get those extra fourteen because the Reds might need those fourteen runs. Yeah, we they get they definitely will need. <laughs> yeah. Seth Shaner asks, "What's the best experience you've had in an opposing ballpark?" I've had a few good ones, but one was in 2015. I was at Wrigley when they reopened the bleachers for the first time after remodeling, and the paint was still wet on the wall in front of the front row. It got on my shorts and shoes, and the folks there bought us off by allowing us to go on the field after the game. Fun times. So getting paint on you was a, the best experience you've had in an opposing ballpark, Seth? All right. I can deal with it. What about you, Bill? Do you have a, a particularly good experience at an opposing ballpark? I, the only one that comes to mind was when we we did a, a trip to Milwaukee a couple of years ago, and we, we went up in the booth to see Chris, and that was fun. But the people at the ballpark in Milwaukee, the, the fans there, were so much fun. And we're so nice, and everybody that we dealt with at the ballpark was great. It was it was a really really good experience there at Miller Park. Yeah, we uh, you know I've only been to one game there, but we had the same experience with people. It might have just because they were playing the Cubs that day, and we were also rooting against the Cubs. Cubs. So, Um, my best experience at a uh, a ball game, you know, I I started to say Jay Bruce's rookie year. I got to see him play at the Yankee old Yankee Stadium. But probably my best experience I've had at an opposing ballpark would have been. Um, one time I was at Dodger Stadium and it was really hot. You bought a hat. Yeah, and I bought a I bought a cap and I put it on my head. Did, did I ever tell you about my Yankee Stadium story? Uh probably. I don't but I don't remember it. This was back in the back a million years ago. Dave Winfield was playing left field for the Yankees. And we were in the, the bleachers right by the left field fence. And somebody up there was smoking an illegal substance. And at one point, like between the innings or something, Winfield was back throwing the ball up in the stands, and he looked up and he went, "What are you guys smoking up there?" <laughs> it wasn't us; it was somebody else. But I'm disappointed that it wasn't you. But uh, that's great. No. Um, Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. There's a Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer. It's true. More than Ted Simmons. 
Pete Wills asks, when Bob sells the team, do you think a city-owned team would be a good model for Cincinnati? What do you find are the pros and cons? I guess I need to inquire a little further here. City-owned, that doesn't mean I presume that it's owned by the city of Cincinnati. Uh, I would hope. You know what? What does he? What does he mean by that? Just that uh, you know the, the. I would assume he's thinking about the Green Bay Packers. Right, they're shareholders, basically. The public are shareholders. Yeah. Um. Well, it can't be worse. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it could be any worse than than Bob Castellini. Um. I, I don't know that, that that model would work in baseball without a salary cap and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, who's I mean, where's, where's the money going to come from? There's. There's, there's so many moving pieces there that it's really hard to get a get grab a hold of anything. Especially for, a, I think, a team like Cincinnati, where I'm not sure that the the base of potential shareholders is is that big at this point, after three decades of uh, just horrible play, largely. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the other side is I get no sense from my conversations that Bob Castellini or the Castellini family has any interest whatsoever. In, uh, in divesting themselves of the Reds. And I think that Phil Castellini is enjoying his foray over onto the baseball ops side of the, the Reds department. He is, uh, you know, performing a lot of the meddling, uh, you know, uh, the, the, that, that his dad used to do. And and it's about to become the point where Phil Castellini is going to be the real problem with this team. Uh, Bob Castellini won't get, won't give up any money to, to sign players. and he But his biggest problem with the Reds has always been meddling in you know the, the affairs of the baseball operations department so and, we'll just say castellini fill in the blank yeah yeah I, I don't i hate to be this guy but i don't see much of a future for the reds in the near term because of ownership which is a shame because they're in a position where a, a really strong owner who wanted to win there's so many good things happening for this organization that you could kind of capitalize on with the, the minor league system and, you know, the, the coaching and um, you have, you have a real window here to be competitive. You wouldn't have to go out and, and bring in a whole lot of players, maybe two. Yeah. And then you and trust. And, and, and that's assuming that their young guys become the players they think they're going to be, but that's always the case. It is, but at least we have, we're have. we starting to get a little bit of evidence that the player development side that was re, completely revamped under Dick Williams is actually paying some dividends now. Yep. When, you, when you think about Indy, Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson and you know, Vlad Gutierrez, and, um, Brad Brooks. Oh, no. you know, we got the stories of, of Kyle Bodie already talking to other teams. and Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how much truth there was to those in the end, but still, I don't like those reports. No. There isn't to be locking up Kyle Bodie. If it means you lock up David Bell to keep these guys, and I don't know that it means that, I think you do it. Dave, Derek Johnson, you got to get the, keep those guys around. Derek Johnson, you have to keep Derek Johnson. I agree. Although there's a there's a vocal contingent of Reds fans on the Twitters that think Derek Johnson is overrated. T.J. Hurston, if you had to live in a foreign country where you can't speak the native language with one other person from the podcast, who would you pick? Well, a foreign country that I would go to, uh, if we're picking the country, I would say England because I barely speak that language. You don't, and that was my answer. My answer was I was going to go with you because you already don't speak English, so you must speak some foreign language. Uh, here's what, here's what I'm going to say based on like, the conversation that we just had about Dave Winfield. My choice would be to go to the Netherlands with Bill Lack. <laughs> no. <laughs> you want to party with me at the Netherlands? I don't do that anymore. We'll go to ha- go to Amsterdam. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. 
I almost called it Hamsterdam. And so uh, Hamsterdam. Since, since I did that, rest in, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Omar. Omar. Yeah, from the, from the wire. Uh, TJ's second question is, is P.S., where is Nate? I think TJ was uh, was angling for a Nate Bill podcast tonight. Sounds like to me. <laughs> well, Nate and I could make funny just like Chris and I did. Yeah, you all did. You and all and did. Nate probably Nate, Nate probably would you know he'd get his shots in. I would think. You know, it sounds like your other brother is, is more Nate's punch would be Nate's punching back. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Richard Stoutard asks, and Richard, uh, you know, Richard is a is a friend of mine, and I, I'm going to try. I've already kind of ranted about this topic. But so I'm not going to say much more. But here's the question: Is Kyle Farmer an example that an at best marginal player will get better as a player by playing a full major league season over a full Triple A season? I think Kyle Farmer is an example of players are what the back of the baseball card say they are. That's what I think about Kyle Farmer. Um, has he gotten better defensively? Maybe. Maybe you could say that defensively. But there's none, no offensive stats from Farmer. Even including that big hot streak, there are none of his stats that can you look at and say, this guy's a good a good player. Or his, OPS, his OPS plus for the season is 80. His OPS plus for his career is 77. Okay, so he's better. So we can move on. Exactly. <laughs> Michael Henry, where would you rank the 2021 starting rotation? Miley, Castillo, Molly, Gray, Gutierrez, and then he also adds in Hoffman, De Leon, and Santillan. In terms of all-time great Reds rotations, the regular five all have ERA pluses above 110, and even Hoffman has a slightly above-average ERA plus. Uh, that's based on his work out of the bullpen largely, but they also go deeper into games than most other team starters these days due to Bob's special bullpen. Am I crazy to think this may be the team's best rotation since the 1990 World Series team? Well, I would say since 1990, Michael, there's not a whole lot of competition for that. But? For that... Uh, honor right they've had, they've been mostly awful since then but the, the, the 2012 no, rotation was better than this rotation that's the best one since the 1990 world series yes yes johnny cueto bronson arroyo um homer bailey your boy matt latos yep mike leak yep leak was and leak was the only one that was below average right here's your five number five starter yeah, uh, yeah, and I like this year's rotation. Games. Yeah, I like Mali Castillo, Mali Gray, and Gutierrez. Love all of them. Been so excited to see what those those guys have done. Just not sure I can make that case. But I would say they're probably the second best rotation since the World Series team. I think they might be better than the World Series rotation if we're being honest. Although um, the 1990 team had a much better top of the rotation in Jose Rio. And the bullpen is what kept that team in contention. Oh, yeah. I know you're a big Tim Leana fan back in the day. I was. And Rick Mailer. I was a big Rick Mailer guy. Ah, Molly, Mailer, Molly. Mike Perry, which would you prefer? Nick Castellanos opting out of his contract or Castellanos remaining with the Reds, but the cheerleaders are back? Now, I got I to gotta admit, I had forgotten about the, the Reds cheerleaders. Do you remember the Reds cheerleaders? Was that the cheer squad people that used to get on top of the dugout? Is that what they're talking yes, about? Yes, the MDX Reds crew, they were called. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm looking at a, at a blog from 2006 called Ultimate Cheerleaders, the first five years. All the news on professional cheerleaders and sports dance teams in one place. People used to love blogs. And anyway, yeah, they had a story about the Reds MDX crew sponsored by Mountain Dew's new MDX drink. Is that still a, is that still a thing? MDX? 
I do not know. Uh, I don't drink. I don't drink Mountain Dew, Bill. Um, I don't. Either. They were a compliment to the Pepsi Reds Rally Pack. So we're not going to label them a group of cheerleaders. I'll take the cheerleaders if we get Castellanos back. I can live through the. I can live with the cheerleaders. Absolutely, absolutely, no question about it. You know, and, and cheerleaders. I don't really care if they're in cheerleaders in a baseball game, but in a sense, I do because you, you go watch one of these games in Korea sometime. Look how they have cheerleaders, they have dancers. They're excited. People are on their feet the whole time. People at a, a Korean baseball game have more fun than fans at any American baseball game have ever had. I wouldn't mind seeing some of that in America. All right, uh, Nathan Connor. Oh, you probably like the wave. I do like the wave. I like people having fun at the game. Um, Nathan, you didn't really ask a question, um, but I, I read your comment, and, uh, you know, uh, let's not compare it to Tampa Bay in any way to Cincinnati. Last question, Chuck Nichols. Have Reds have the Reds fallen in love with the home run as their only method of scoring like they did last year? I believe so. What are your opinions? I don't think that's the problem with the scoring lately, that they've fallen around the home run. I mean, do you, Bill? I, how do you know? How do you tell? I mean, the strikeout percentage is up, but other than that, I mean, how do you know? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a bad stretch. Yeah, I, you know. They're the same players. It's just a bad stretch. Yep. I, I mean, they, right now their offense looks like last year's. It does look like last year's. But whether whether it's because, you know, everybody's swinging for defenses or, or, or because they're just struggling and they're missing Winker and – you know, whatever, but uh, you know, who, who's to say? I, I, I have no idea. I don't. I, I don't have an opinion because I have no way of knowing. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be all speculation. But I, I, just, I don't. I have a difficult time believing that they just kind of changed their approach to hitting all of a sudden here in September. That's a good point. Yep. So, um, okay. Well, I think that's about enough uh, for episode number three hundred ninety-two of the Red Lake Nation Radio Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, give us a rating or review, uh, especially at Apple Podcasts, if you can. Uh, forgive me for my voice being a little bit off today, but for some reason, I just it kind of went out on me the other day. But uh, we'll, we'll, we power through it here. Bill, any final thoughts for us? Let's turn it around in St. Louis. That's right. 21 games left, man. Let's, let's enjoy this. It's The Reds have a shot here. Let's, let's really all try to uh, do what we can to enjoy these last uh, 21 games, and then hopefully there are at least uh, one more game after that. So for uh, for Bill Lack and Roger Bresnahan, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.